give us some men who know the truth. And who will declare the truth. And who will stand with Athanasius and Polycarp and Calvin and Luther and Whitfield and Edwards. And who will declare from the housetops that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I'm serious. Do not defile yourselves by any of these things, for by all these the nations which I am casting out before you have become defiled. Mm. We have gone to Leviticus. Yes. Now, what do you get out of Leviticus? You get out of it as fast as you can. <laughs> I knew you were coming with that one. Now, no, we are actually going to be in Leviticus, and I say we because, once again, I'm over here, and Lou is over there. Hey there. And we are here to tell you that you are not the author of life or death. And I know that comes as a shock to some of you. Imagine that. I know. What do you mean I'm not in charge? You are not in charge. All right? Inhale. Exhale. Deal with it. So we are going to have some fun today. We are going to talk about the euthanasia. 
So, teenage, so those kids, huh? Yes, yeah, so those kids again. Those teenagers in China. No, no, no. Not the youth in Asia, but the youth in Asia. <laughs> Which, if you're from Brooklyn, it'd be the youth in Asia. Yeah, I, I think people are still confused, but yeah. <laughs> we're talking about killing people. Yeah, assisted suicide. But yeah. We're going to Kevorkian some folks today. Ooh. Do you remember that guy? I do. Like, was there ever a creepier looking doctor? Like, if there was a, if you were going to sign up a doctor to be like, this guy's nickname is Dr. Death, and you see his picture on the news, you'd be like, well, duh. Right. I mean, <laughs> if I were to have a nightmare, yeah, he mean, would be in it. And Kevorkian. I mean, that sounds like a horror movie villain. For sure. Like, nobody. He played his part, too, I boy. I know, but nobody Ooh. goes to the doctor and be like, oh, what's your name? Um, my name's Kevorkian. Okay, you're not going to be a pediatrician, are you? <laughs> like, you, just that name alone is going to give children nightmares. Like, <laughs> Come on, we have to go see Dr. Kevorkian. I don't want to bother. <laughs> no, don't do it. So, yeah, I mean, the dude was like straight out of central casting. You're never going to convince me otherwise. For sure. It's, an all part of, it's all part of an evil communist plot. It's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> uh. So, no, we will be talking about the communist country of Canada. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> see what I did there? We will be talking about the Canadians and their euthanasia laws. But before we do that, which, by the way, Lou is not crying yet, so these bad stories will continue until morale destroys itself. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty tough one this time, guys. Oh, of course, it's his own fault. When we finish recording, I'll usually pull up my list of possible stories we'll do next week. Do you want to do this one or that one? He goes, what? Okay, we're doing that one. Yeah. <laughs> my reaction is where we, you know. So it's your fault. It dictates how, what direction we're going. So, oh, oh. Ooh, I can be like the abusive spouse in the relationship. See, see, you made me do this to you. <laughs> you made me do this. <laughs> Why are you like that, Lou? Why do you make me do this to you? <laughs> oh, you so- play that part well. <laughs> What's going on here? So tell me, when did you stop beating your wife? <laughs> <laughs> right. Mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> we uh, are, we it's are a ha- good thing I know your wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she can shoot back, right? Yeah, right. She, she's packing heat all the time. Oh. <sighs> So, all right, Leviticus chapter 18, while we still have some brain cells left. All right. Do not defile. I cannot say that word on the first try. Defile. Why can't I say the word defile? Uh Thou shalt be smited. All right, I am in the right frame of mind now. Smite them. Yes. Do not defile yourselves by any of these things, for by all these, the nations which I am casting out before you have become defiled. So let's time out. Mm -hmm. Okay, what are these what are these things? Well, it's everything that's come before in the previous 17 and a half chapters of Leviticus. It's everything that'll come after chapter 18 in Leviticus. What? The other uh, eight and a half chapters. Uh, Leviticus 18 is a very interesting chapter so, in the in the Holiness Code, as some people refer to it. Um, and there are lots of things that are like, well, duh, you didn't need to tell me I shouldn't sleep with my mother. And yet. And yet, and yet it had to be yeah. there. Always remember when, like, when you pull a get open can of hairspray, and they're like, "Don't light a match and spray it in your face." You're like, "Well, <laughs> duh." Does not need to be told yeah, that, but, right? but realize that that warning is on that label because some doofus are like, "Hey, I wonder what will happen." Ah, my eyes. I mean, that's how that that's how that went down somewhere. You know, that's what did. I, I will never forget this. A friend of mine and I, we I were in, we were at King's Dominion. In um in Virginia, I don't even remember exactly the name of the King's little town. Dominion. It's a theme park thing. Okay. Uh, okay. Used to be uh, oh shoot, Paramount ran it, I think. Oh wow, so it was a big one. Well, for the area, it's um it was probably about an hour away from Bush Gardens, which okay. was run by Anheuser Busch, and that was the big big one. But we decided everybody told us how awesome King's Dominion was, and we'd gone to Bush Gardens every year, so we went there. And they had this log ride. Now, part of this log ride 
is, and you know, if you don't know what the log flume ride is, you know, you sit in the little plastic looking log. It's, a, it's made of plastic, but it's made to look like a log. Like you're floating along in the 1800s with the, the way the loggers used to across the rivers to put their logs to the mill. Right. And so you're riding in this thing, and there's four of us front to back. He and I are in one spot, and there's two people we don't know are in the other spot. And part of the ride is you go down this little drop, and you're on literally the back side of the park. Now, they had built the little tube full of water that we were riding in like 35 feet above the ground. Oh, wee. Because it's literally the backside of the park. They couldn't go down to the ground. It wasn't worth it. So they just put some pylons up and stuck the tube on it, filled it with water, and, and there you went. And you went for maybe 200 yards down the section before you got back around to where they had room to do a nice drop to get you back into the, to the main part of the park. Well, every 10 feet on this section, keep all arms and legs inside the log at all times. Do not stand up. Do not exit the log flume. And I'm like, dude, I'm 40 feet in the air. Mm-hmm. Why? Why must you tell me? Like, was were people Peter Panning off the side of this thing when I wasn't paying attention? So because we were kids, don't be like me. Because we were, you know, such respectful young adults. Every time we saw one of those signs, you know, it, it would purposely get up and like hang our arms over the side of the, <laughs> over the side of the thing. Oh, <laughs> the signs were for you. <laughs> well, no, I would have never gotten up or dangled anything over the side of the log if it hadn't specifically told me not to do it. Well, yeah, you made me this way. <laughs> yeah. yep. Oh, man. See, why do you do this to me? <laughs> so my point, though, is these things are here because some nitwit tried to get out of the stupid thing and swim around somewhere and then, like, you know, caused a problem and almost died. So we had put a warning sign up to basically tell you not to do dumb things. What's the rule, children? Don't, Don't do dumb, dumb things. things. Right. So when you see these laws, you're going, well, yeah, I mean, per- you shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness during her menstrual impurity. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what else to say that. None of you shall approach any blood relative of his to uncover nakedness. Don't sleep with your sister. Like, seriously. Did you need to be told that? The Canaanites did. See, Israel is being warned not to assimilate into the nations around them because these abominable actions are bringing upon them the judgment of God. Isn't that interesting? These people were not God's people. They were not at Mount Sinai given these laws, but yet they're still going to be held accountable well, for it. common sense. Right. Breaking. Which isn't so common anymore. No, it's not. The law written upon the heart. You know these things. Right. Like, like you, you shall not have intercourse with your neighbor's wife. We talk about this jokingly. Like, human <laughs> civilization innately knows don't kill people, don't steal from people, don't sleep with other people's wives. Like, these are just innate in human right. society. Right, and um, it's not unique to biblical law, law. I mean, it's other law codes from the ancient Near East. They had these very same laws. Yeah. So it, you're right. People it's, know it's, 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 it's one of those absolute laws. And by the way, you think I'm kidding. The nakedness of your sister, either your father's daughter or your mother's daughter. Well, she was my stepsister, bro. No, mm-hmm. no, Off limits. no. You shall not uncover, for their nakedness is yours. I mean, this is this is simple stuff. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister. No sleeping with your aunt, bro. Once again, you're sitting there going, "Okay, stop it, stop it, stop it." I didn't. I know you didn't need to be told this, but apparently the Canaanites did need to be told this. And you ready for it? this? This gets worse. The Israelites needed to be told this because they were looking at the Canaanites, going, the, "Basically, the Israelites were everybody's brother. If they got to do it, how come I don't?" Right. That was the argument. Well, do you want to know why you don't? Because it's literally bringing upon you the judgment of God. On the list of things that are bad, where do you think the judgment of God ranks? 
Like, is that above or below pineapple on pizza? <laughs> I don't know how to. I don't know how to answer that one. It's pretty it's, bad. I mean, I mean it's one of the top. Judgment of God is probably worse than like when they put the Christmas decorations out in August, right? Sure. Probably worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although the judgment of God should fall upon the people who put the Christmas decorations out in August. We can agree on I, that, I right? go with that. Yeah, and so it is written, I so it shall be done. We have spoken. There it's, you go. It's, it's now an immutable law of creation. Oh, my goodness. If only we had that power, right. the world would be a dark place. <laughs> Smite them. Yes. Who? I don't just pick one. Yeah. Are we really being picky at this point? Yeah. <laughs> be like that, that uh, World Economic Forum getting the world population down to half a billion people. Like, hey, give me the power of God for like 20 minutes. I got you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Right, yeah. Challenge we'll, accepted. We'll this is why this you don't have in. that power. Yeah. So, yeah, this is the warning to Israel. Don't do this stuff because this is the stuff that brings the judgment of God. This is what the nations do. Now, again, notice the double whammy of the warning. It's not just a don't do this. It's also a don't be like those people. What separates the you from the them? The knowledge of God and the accomplished redemption that he has brought. Right. Therefore, you are to be a new people. The next chapter is going to tell you you are to be holy, for God is holy. What does that look like? Well, it looks like following what God has commanded. Right. All right? <clears throat> for the land has become defiled. Therefore, I have brought its punishment upon it so that the land has spewed out its inhabitants. When God has decided you are done. He spews you. You be done. <laughs> okay? You be done, yo. There will be, again, to quote the great prophet Yosemite Sam, you know, earthquakes, tornadoes, clouds, rain, smog. You, you know, the spirit magic helmet. Yep, you remember I remember the that. magic helmet. It's one of my favorite cartoons. Yeah, I love those guys. Kill the wabbit, kill the wabbit. Sorry. Oh, boy. Oh, that's not Yosemite Sam. I'm sorry. That is Elmer Fudd, isn't it? Yep. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Dragging him off, you know, and, the, and the, the, the horse at the end. But anyway. Yep. So, when God decides you're done, there is no force on heaven or on earth that will protect you. God will send all the anger of his creation because who commands the creation? He does. He does. He's in charge. He's in charge of you. He's in charge of the land you stand on. He's in charge of the air you breathe. We're making a really long and complicated argument for the sovereignty of God here. Yep. We are explaining to you that God runs the planet. You are on the planet. Therefore. Therefore. <laughs> I knew that was coming. You, you knew it. It's just a simple little syllogism, but it's important to understand. But as for you, you are to keep my statutes and my judgments and shall not do any of these abominations, neither the native nor the alien who sojourns among you. For the men of the land who have been before you have done all these abominations, and the land has become defiled. So you are not just responsible for you. You're responsible for the company you keep. Well, that and God is like, okay, I know there's going to be people who are not native-born Israelites in here, but this is not, you're not to defile this the land. This doesn't fly. Yeah. Realize that sojourners are not just people who are just traveling through. It's not like the Egyptian mer uh, merchant who's traveling through Israel to, on his way to an Assyrian market. These are also foreigners living in the land. Right. People who are... Married in, even though we're not supposed to. <laughs> right. People who are adopted in, even though you weren't supposed to. God recognizing the sinfulness of humanity is going to cause these problems. But we can overcome these problems by doing what? By being consistent and being a light unto the Gentiles. So you want to come into the land? You want to marry that pretty little thing who's a pagan? Well, you know, don't let her be a pagan anymore. Right. Don't follow after that. This is the way this goes. This is the way... 
our nation under God is supposed to operate. Right. You, all right. You guys with me so far? I'm with you. All right. We're, they're, they're nodding their heads at home. So. I think so. I think I, I, I sensed I can, it. I can feel it. Yeah. There's a, I can feel the disturbance of the false loop. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So that the land will not spew you out should you defile it as it has spewed out the nation which has been before you. Once again, you don't walk in the statutes of God. There is no force this side of eternity that is going to be with you. Right. There's nothing. Right. Now, notice something else. You ever wonder why John the Baptist warns, don't tell me you're children of Abraham? What, like, that's got anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. You ever wonder why the prophets are warning about the coming exile and the judgment of God? And the answer from all the people is always what? But we're God's children. We're the people of Abraham. He would never do such a thing to us. Oh, um, yeah, he warned them even before they got in the land. What separates you from them? What separates the people of God from the not the people of God? The redemptive, transformative work of God. Right. So you take Israel out of Egypt. You have, in a big picture sense, redeemed the nation. Now within that nation was every single one of them transformed by the gospel of God? And the answer is no, obviously, because you not. can see throughout the wilderness journey, mm -hmm. throughout the refusal to go into the land, through the, I don't even know what you call it, when they, they literally mess up the taking of the land like every time they get a chance to do something, you see what? A people going their own way, following good Fleetwood Mac theology, yeah, that song in your head now, don't you? Yeah, go your one of my own favorites. way. <laughs> Lindsay Buckingham. Go your own way. Sorry. <laughs> People at home are like, wow. Yeah, that just happened. <laughs> You're welcome. Now, they did that every chance they could. Right. Why? Because they were the masters of their domain. They were the captains of their ship. They were the ones who were going to determine their eternal destiny, not realizing that while they think they're making determination, they are merely confirming their eternal destiny demonstrate yeah it's it's so interesting that the people that came out of egypt that saw all those miracles signs mm -hmm. and wonders they still had doubt and even after the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness joshua takes over moses is gone the first battle went well second battle not so great because Achan decided he was going to take something mm -hmm. it's just so strange to see a people that are so near to God, have a prophet of God with them, and still it just shows our humanity is what it shows. It's, it's like but, they can't help themselves. Right. And it's not like we wouldn't be any different yeah. in, in any way. Well, that's my point. They can't, it's almost like they can't help themselves. Spoiler right. alert. Yeah, they they can't. can't help themselves. They're sold under sin. I think, I think it demonstrates it well. Now, take that understanding, apply it to your world. What would a civilization look like that rejects the foundations of God? rejects the teachings, goes its own way, and thinks it is the captain of its own ship. <clears throat> Could they help themselves with whatever it is they come up with next? It almost seems, oh, well, the answer is absolutely not. Um, man, and when you, everything in that list that you just rattled off, we we can say of our own country, not just Canada. Well, and that's my point, because yeah. that's why you hear me talk about all the time about, I mentioned Western civilization. For because sure. we have, okay, let's be honest, if, for those of you that are old enough to have done this probably before the last 15 years and who went to college, you took a Western Civilization course. Mm -hmm. What you spent a lot of time studying is Christendom. 
because the foundations of who we are, I know they like to try to trace it back to Greco-Roman society. It's not traceable back to Greco-Roman society. It's not Greco-Roman society that has the biggest influence on modern Western civilization. It's a, and I know so many Christians hate this terminology, but it fits historically so. It is a Judeo-Christian foundation, not a Greco-Roman foundation that builds Western civilization. That is why you want to see the crumblings of Western civilization, go look at Europe. Mm -hmm. Europe is ahead of us by about 20 to 50 years, depending on the country. Why? Because they're about 20 to 50 years, depending on the country, ahead of us in rejecting that foundation of Christendom. Mm -hmm. This is the conversation we've had before. You do not need a religion to be moral, but you need religion to have a basis for your morality. Right. So once a society begins tipping towards the secular worldview, towards the atheistic worldview, it doesn't lose the understanding of morality, but it does lose the rationale for morality. It loses the ability, therefore, to judge between cultures. It loses the ability to say this behavior in this culture is good, this behavior in the same culture is bad. This culture has more bad fruit than good fruit, therefore we reject the culture. Hmm. It has no ability to do that because it does not any longer have an objective measuring stick. And I think they also begin to start to redefine morality mm -hmm. and make it conform to what they want well because not what what is reality without an objective measuring stick you're left with a subjective yeah. individual right stick well and, and might makes right in most cases so what you end up having is well what your rights are now defined by government mm -hmm. and those rights are determined by a majority rule so the number of more people than not voted for this, then that's what you get. Or let's pick on our Canadian friends for a minute, because that's the example. We're going to borrow a story from them in a minute. Um, it's the tyranny of the minority. Because in a parliamentary system of government, your party in power could receive 10 20% of the vote. But if it can pull enough people into a coalition that will support it, its minority agenda becomes the ruling authority of a country. I had no idea. Yeah. And that's, that's what... That's what um, Pay attention in the news because you'll see this again because Israel does this on a regular basis lately. But you'll see this in Israeli politics because they have a, um, a parliamentary system as well. And you'll see a bunch of right-leaning and center-right parties. None of them have a majority. Mm. So they then have to cobble together a coalition so that they have a, the majority of votes. And okay. that's what Netanyahu was able to do for the better part of 15 years that he wasn't able to do in the last year and a half successfully. That's what Trudeau has done in Canada. I want to say the last time I looked, Trudeau's party was like 20, 25% of the, of the parliament. Okay. But he's able to cobble together another 25 or 30% of the part of the gov of the government together to support him. Yeah, it's too bad. So. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of him. Well, I'm not sure anybody is, but that, but that system becomes a minority tyranny based on what? based on a secular subjective standard because there's no longer an objective thing saying you have violated this statute you have violated this principle those principles are gone they are rejected and they are rejected because you no longer have an objective basis for your moral understandings yeah, the this rules is, get swapped out you this know? is the problem every atheistic philosophy has right there uh, this is mentality it seems like in government and in places like this that it, the rules are for thee, not for me. Yes. And and the people are ruled over. And it's perfectly consistent because yeah. it's a subjective standard. Right. There's no justice. Exactly. So, 
Whoever does any of these abominations, those persons who do so, shall be cut off from among the people. Thus you are to keep my charge that you do not practice any of the abominable customs which have been practiced before you, so as not to defile yourselves with them. I am the Lord your God. I like this section for that finish, to be perfectly honest with you. What's the basis for the moral for the moral understanding of Israel? God. God is. Yeah. What's the basis for why this is right and that is wrong? God is. God. What's the basis for judgment and reward in their legal system? God is. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this, by the way, is an objective standard. The just judge of all the earth who rules, reigns, and judges rightly is providing you with wisdom from on high and telling you, hey, do this. Don't do that. Defiled. Mm-hmm. Don't do this. Not defiled. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Yeah, yep, Joshua. This is where this is supposed to go. Now, why do I tell you that story? <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. Lou's curling into the fetal position as we speak. Yeah, I'm about ready to... <laughs> He's not sucking his thumb yet, so yeah. I don't feel like I've been truly successful. <laughs> We're getting there. <laughs> Alan Nichols. I always love these stories because... They always start out with this, like, human interest piece that, mm. like, tries to make you care about it. It's like, I'm a meat and potatoes person. It's like, get to the point. Yep. So, <clears throat> so, like, I know I sent you this story. I encourage you to look this up. I found this, again, I don't even remember who I found this through, but then I clicked to the AP article, and the AP article is like, it's like you're scrolling to read it and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And it's like, dude, if you try to put one more human interest thing in this, I'm going to throw something at you. Mm-hmm. See, that's why I hate the Olympics. This is unrelated to anything, but that's why I hate watching the Olympics on TV mm-hmm. because I want to watch the competition. I don't want to hear about how this gymnast's mom drove her to the gym every day when she was seven and worked 17 jobs to pay for it. I don't care. I genuinely don't care. Can she do the backflip thingy and land on two feet? That's all I care about. <laughs> Just show me. The- yeah, I'm a bad person. <laughs> I want to see the competition. I want to mm-hmm. see who's faster. I want to see who's stronger. I don't care if his blind uncle, you know, like – knitted shoelaces by hand to feed the fan. I don't care. Shoelaces. <laughs> yeah, he was John Bunyan, apparently. John Bunyan. <laughs> That's how John Bunyan made his living in prison. Shoelaces? You want to talk about a bad story. Okay, here you go. John Bunyan was okay. a dissenting uh, preacher in mm-hmm. England. Mm-hmm. I was remember a, the name. Was arrested for preaching the gospel, was not a an official, air quotes, licensed preacher in the Church of England. So he could leave church. He could leave prison any time as long as he either go get licensed by the church or stop preaching the gospel. He refused, so they kept him in jail. While he was in jail, he writes *Pilgrim's Progress* oh. to feed his family. Want to say? Oh, don't quote me on this one, but it's like ten or twelve. The number twelve is in my head. I want to say it's twelve children. Wow. Yeah, uh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Bunyan were were quite a happy marriage. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I want to say it's 12 children, and his daughter, the oldest daughter, who was blind, I told you this gets better and better, would come to the prison every day to collect the shoelaces that John Bunyan had woven together and made in prison. And she would then sell them to, like, the cobblers and stuff Hmm. and bring him material for more shoelaces. So she'd, like, drop off tomorrow's order and pick up today's order and then go sell the shoelaces and then go buy the food that Mrs. Bunyan would then cook and prepare for the family. And so the blind girl every day, like, leaves home after breakfast, goes to the jail, picks up dad's shoelaces that he made, drops off the material to make more, goes, sells the shoelaces, and then, like, goes to the market, gets the food. I mean, every every day. Oh, that's crazy. And dude writes Pilgrim's Progress in the middle of this. Okay. 
Yeah, it's just it's just amazing. So what you, you, want talk about, you want to talk about heartstrings? There you go. There it so is. That's why I don't care about the Olympic people. Until you're making shoelaces for your blind daughter to sell to feed your family, I'm not interested. <laughs> well said. <laughs> All right. Alan Nichols had a history of depression and other medical issues. I gotta get my NPR voice going, you know. But none were life-threatening. When a 61-year-old Canadian was hospitalized in June 2019 over fears he might be suicidal, he asked his brother to bust him out as soon as possible. All right, no more of the NPR boys. That hurts my throat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> within a month, within a month, Nichols submitted a request to be euthanized, and he was killed, despite concerns raised by his family and a nurse practitioner. His application for euthanasia listed only one health condition as the reason for his request to die— Hearing loss. Oh, my goodness. So apparently tinnitus is a reason to have you put down. I'm not sure that's valid, but... Yeah, I was surprised when I read the article. I was like, you, you hit that and you're like, hearing loss. You're like, what, what, bunions weren't out, weren't an option? I mean, you know... Yeah, for sure. You stubbed your toe. Dry, or... flaky elbows weren't severe enough, apparently. <laughs> you ever paid attention to the medications because that's what they all do to you you're like do you have dry flaky elbows here take this cream may cause blindness hearing loss the inability to speak you know loss of all bodily functions all of which are <laughs> yeah. worse than yeah. the symptoms but, of but uh, whatever you won't have dry flaky elbows anymore if you use this cream you won't have elbows anymore <laughs> disability experts say the story is not unique in Canada that should be a horrifying sentence right yeah, there that stopped me for I had to pause. Which arguably has the world's most permissive euthanasia rules, allowing people with serious disabilities to choose to be killed in the absence of any other medical issue. So club foot could be fatal in Canada. Well, evidently hearing loss is. Many Canadians support euthanasia in the advocacy group Dying with Dignity. Do they have t-shirts? I don't know. They do probably, they have meetings? I'm yeah, curious. I'm sure they do. And how much alcohol is present at those meetings? I mean, seriously. Hey, dude, come on. You want to go with me? We're going down to our monthly Dying with Dignity meeting. No. No, I am not. Not going. I, yeah, I don't. I, I need to watch, like, 27 straight hours of, like, cute puppy videos in order to be in a good enough mood to not have that make me suicidal. Like, just process. See? Funny, funny. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about euthanasia and yeah. oh, suicide. Bad low. Bad low. See, <laughs> this is why I do these things to you. This is why you have to. <laughs> no, but I'm serious about this. I've, I've made this analogy before, but it always astounds me. Like, someone had to come to another human being and say, hey, I got an idea, dude. Let's start a support group to have people euthanized. You mean dogs euthanized? No, 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 like actual people that want to die, like Kevorkian style. And we'll have a group, and we'll raise money, and we'll pass laws to make that okay. And then we'll publish lists of doctors that will do it. And then we'll pressure hospitals to allow it. And another human being had to go... That sounds like a great idea. Right. And then they had to go file legal paperwork to form their nonprofit or corporation, and the government had to look at them and go, this is awesome. Yeah, we have no problems with this. Go team. And then they had to get other people who were like, this is a great idea. I think we should petition the government to allow us to kill people legally, and I think we should petition hospitals to let us do it. I think this is great. We should sign doctors on to kill people. This is fun. And then they had to go get like people with money. Like, lots of money. I don't mean, like, you know, like you have a few bucks laying around. I mean, tens of thousands of dollars to give away. And they had to tell these rich people that, hey, we got an idea that we want doctors to kill people. And they had to go, that's phenomenal. I've always wondered why doctors don't kill more people. I support this cause. To the point that you have meetings. <laughs> I know it. And, like, you it just rent. It seems totally absurd when you, you say it that way, right? You rent dining rooms in hotels 
and sit around and pat yourselves on the back because you killed X number of people this month. Didn't we hang people at Nuremberg for this? Yeah, for sure. This is what is a country, not a country. What is a culture that has abandoned biblical principles look like? <laughs> well, we live in one. But but, but do, do you see what I'm getting but at? This was like, this is what it looks at, like. At no point did they yeah. run across somebody who's been, who was just like, "What is wrong with you people? Get out of my office!" Like, did that happen once? I, I genuinely want to know these things. So anyway. The advocacy group, Dying with Dignity, says the procedure, the procedure, is driven by compassion, an end to suffering and discrimination, and desire for personal autonomy. Ye be like God. Mm. Personal autonomy. Mm -hmm. You don't run you. You are not your own. Once again, mm. God runs the creation. God runs the planet. Right. You are on the planet. You are part of the creation. Ergo, God runs you. Right. You don't have personal autonomy. Right. You either do the stuff God has told you to do, or you get smited. For sure. I always want to say smitten. I know that means something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. See why ancient conjugations of archaic English is so complicated? <laughs> right. We just smitten have to is good. Smited is bad. <laughs> uh. I stood before the Lord Almighty, and he smitten me. No, 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 wrong, wrong one. <laughs> that, that sounds like modern worship music. <laughs> yep. So, anyway. In Canada, the two options are referred to as medical assistance in dying. Though, more than 99.9% .9 of such deaths are euthanasia. Again, you euthanize horses that break their legs. You euthanize dogs with cancer. You don't euthanize people! Right. Why do we need to be told this? We need to be told this because we have abandoned the foundations of who God is and what he tells us and how we are supposed to live. Therefore, we have become worse than the Canaanites. At least they were honest for why they did it. They were like, hey, we got to kill some people so that the God of the harvest isn't mad at us and gives us grain so the rest of us don't die. I mean, we're just being honest about this. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're like, well, it's for personal autonomy. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. You're tired of hurting. You're tired of life being difficult. Um, get in line. Yeah, I think we're all at that. Oh, and I'm serious. Yeah. You you persevere through difficult things. That's a biblical foundation. You suffer joyfully through persecution and hardship. That's a biblical foundation. You bear up under struggles and burdens. That's a biblical foundation. Perseverance is a fruit of gospel transformation i think it's a picture of uh, of a community of people that they don't have god therefore they have no hope in life well and again see this is where understanding some logic is helpful flip the coin if perseverance is a fruit of gospel transformation then what would be a fruit in a non-transformed heart and culture it would be the lack of perseverance otherwise known as surrender mm -hmm. well we can't tell people that's wrong we don't want to get anybody mad. We don't want to have the argument. You have surrendered. That's not what the song was about. That was not when they said, I surrender all. They meant to Jesus, not to the world. You surrender to Jesus, you fight the world. Okay, just making sure we're clear on those things. Got it. All right. There were more than 10,000 deaths by euthanasia last year. Yeah, that... that That's ba that, basically three a day. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, I want to point this out. Canada has a population... Uh, right around California's. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what that is. 
couple million. 30 some odd million people. Mm. Somewhere between 30 and 40 million people. Mm. I know California is somewhere in the ballpark of 35 million people. Canada is either 33 or 38, but it's somewhere in that neighborhood. If I told you there was a hospital in California killing three people a day, would you want an investigation? Uh, yeah. 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 Be like, well, these people came in with, you know, ingrown toenails and they died. Something has gone terribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Something has gone terribly wrong. Right. And what if I told you that there was a hospital in California that was killing three disabled people every day? You think you'd want, like, doubly fasted? Like, what do you mean you're killing disabled people? That's basically what euthanasia in Canada is doing. Yeah. It's just going to kill three people a day. Wait a minute. I did that math wrong. Oh, my goodness. 365 days a year, one would be... 365 two would be 700 that's 30 people a day i'm sorry i didn't carry my zero right 30 people a day mostly disabled some literally mentally incompetent so again if i told you there's a hospital in california killing 30 disabled people a day Mm. you don't want an investigation you want some skulls cracked don't you well yeah you want justice yeah that's what's going on in canada an increase of about a third from the previous year. Ooh, business is picking up. Hey. Canadian know. Health Minister Jean-Yves Duclos. I have no idea how to say that. Jean-Yves Duclos. Duclos. I'm going to so it. I'm gonna assume it's French-Canadian, so Jean-Yves Duclos is what I'm going to go with, just because okay. I like saying it that way. I'm least comfortable about how to say his last name, so I don't care. Um, he said the country's euthanasia law recognizes the right of all persons as well as the inherent and equal value of every life. I don't see that's the part of the sentence that I was like, back up, let me read that again. Yeah, I feel like I've been run over by that truck. Yeah. I, I would like to read the license plate one more time, please. Thank you. So, no, we value every life by letting you all kill yourselves equally. See, aren't, aren't we so fair? Look, it's equity. Equity. I don't know where see, I mean, these people are so twisted. That they actually believe that that represents here it is. I got equality, it. Ready? No, the no, no, value no. of it's, life. It's equity. I'm using their terms. Equity is the insurance of a quality of outcome. Okay. So since non-disabled people are capable of killing themselves normally, they don't need help. But disabled people aren't. So in order to assure equal outcomes, we have to help them die. Yeah. I- <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> you just blinked like the AI just looked at you and be like, what does green taste like? <laughs> <laughs> this is bad. I mean, I, I can't even imagine a worse statement and, and a worse... I mean, why would you think that's okay? Now, oh, oh, wait. But wait. Yeah, it gets There's worse. There's more. Yeah. Next year, the country is set to allow people to be killed exclusively for mental health reasons. It is also considering extending euthanasia to, air quotes, mature minors, children under 18 who meet the same requirements as adults. Who gets to define mature? They do. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's going to be based off of their definition of oh, maturity. Uh, if, you're, if you know a Canadian, one, I'm sorry, but two, um, would, you, uh, would you ask them when do they allow gender transition surgeries? At what age? Hmm. Because I guarantee you that's going to be that minimum, the starting point for mature minors. Okay, what's the point of this? Christian, Mm -hmm. this is a broken world. You get that, I know. But 
this is the stuff we're dealing with on a daily basis. And what I mean by that is, I know you're not at home going, I've got to crusade against dying with dignity. That's not my point. When I mean the world you deal with, realize that, again, intelligent, supposedly well-meaning people got together and thought this was all a good idea. All right. That means these are people who pay taxes. They vote. They can actually compose complete sentences at Starbucks and place orders. They are part of the world you live in. Mm -hmm. When you encounter secularism, this is the maybe the extreme end, yes, but this is the end goal and end point of a secular world view. This is why I call it paganism. Because this is what secular thinking leads you to, because there there are no longer any guardrails. Yeah. So I mean Yeah. Like again, I so I like my bowling analogy. You don't take four year olds bowling without the bumper rails. Because you know what's going to happen. Yep. They're not strong enough to roll it down the middle, and they can't put enough speed, so the ball is going to go side to side to side. You need the bumpers to keep them from just rolling gutter after gutter. Pagan society is four-year-olds bowling without the bumper guards. Okay? Will a kid occasionally get one down the middle and hit the head pin? Yes! Will it be anything other than dumb luck? <laughs> no! Probably not. No! No, it won't. Yeah. That's an interesting analogy. They're going to be in the gutter. They are. Just throw in here and there. One bowling ball is going to be two lanes over. Some kid's going to be crying. Some kid's sucking his thumb. There's going to be utter chaos, and nobody's going to care anymore because it's not fun. Because so nobody can hit the pins. So what would you say represents the, the bumper guards in our society? The light of the gospel. There it is. The actual Christian living. Going, whoa, whoa, time out. Now, here's why. Because Christian, at that point, they're stuck with a conundrum. Because here's the thing. The four-year-old who doesn't have the bumper guards knows this is no fun. And he knows there's a better way to do it because he's been told bowling is fun by other people his age. Mm -hmm. So he knows there's a better way, but he doesn't know how to fix it. The adult right. has to come in and put the guard out. The pagan out there knows there's a better way to live. He knows there's a better thing to do other than killing people for hearing loss. Mm -hmm. He knows there's another thing to do other than allowing depressed 16-year-olds. My goodness. Find me a 16-year-old that's not a little depressed. Right. And I, I found it interesting, the example that they found. They didn't find some guy that had been suffering from some strange disease and it was completely debilitated. We didn't find any of that. We found a guy who was losing his hearing and he decided one day that was it. Yeah, I'm done here. You know, so they're setting the bar like super low. Yeah. Find me a 14-year-old girl who has not had some some period of depression. Oh, yeah. Is well, she mature? See the problem you're going to start to have? Yeah, I mean, I raised six daughters. I know what that's all about. I mean, my goodness. Hormonal 14 to 16-year-old girls. Hang on, let me rephrase that. Hormonal, what, 14 to 45-year-old girls? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's why I always joke with my wife. You're at that difficult age for women. It's, it's from about 14 <laughs> to 60, you know, somewhere in that ballpark. Well, that I'm explains, kidding, ladies. That explains the dent on that. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you do this to me? Why do you make me do this? <laughs> I bring that one on myself. But I'm kidding. But I'm serious about this, though. Find me a non-hormonal teenager who maybe doesn't have a bad thought here and there. And now you get the right doctor on the right day who goes, you know, if you're just not feeling this whole life thing, we got some juice you can drink in the back, make all the pain stop. That would never happen. That would never happen, right? Of course it would happen. Why? Because the pagan doesn't know any better. But in his heart of hearts, he knows there's a better way to live. He knows there's something right. He doesn't know what it is. 
Now, when you proclaim and live out what is right, he looks at you and goes, I hate those people, but they're nailing this stuff. Mm-hmm. You now show him that the doubt that he feels, the knowledge that he has suppressed is there and it will not and cannot go away. You shine the light. Will you stop them all? No. Will you stop some? Yes. Will that make the world a better place? Also yes. (laughs) Will you have opportunity to minister? Yes. This is the as-you-go part of the Great Commission, is living out and saying, no, 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 no. Where I have influence, where I have authority, you shall not do this. When you sojourn through our church, when you sojourn through my family, however that may be, you will not behave this way. That's why you have rules for your children. I love you enough to not allow you to do this. That's why your church has standards. We love you enough not to allow you to act like this. That's why your community should have standards, because we love each other enough to not allow you to be like this. I think we also need to have a willingness to step outside of our circles and share the gospel with people. I think well, yeah. so often uh, we, the members of our church, we become a family. It's a community. That's a good thing. But sometimes we feel like we can't go outside of that family or community and share what we have. You and live, that's the whole purpose of you this. You live in the world. Right. You do not live of the world. And right. that's the distinction. Right, right. So you carry these things and explain, no, 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 we don't live like that. I would never do that. Why not? Well, because this is what my God commands. Right. Now, notice that. Don't, Christian, don't be afraid. Right. When they look at you, go, well, why doesn't your family do this? It's not, well, you know, we think there's a better way and it works. Out. No, 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 no. God said no. Start there and then explain the fringe benefits. But the foundation is what? How I live in a way that honors God. Well, why do you follow some sky deity? Because he loves me and died for me mm-hmm. and has redeemed me and can do the same for you if you would repent and trust. That's quick. That's easy. This is not a complicated process. Right. We need to make it that easy, too. People think we don't th- they get too much in their head, and they don't, they don't want to share. Because we don't think through our lives like that. We don't mm-hmm. think through the why of our daily actions. Yep. At the end of the day, the why of my daily actions is to honor the God who loved me and died for me and is sanctifying me day by day. Don't I want that for my friends? Don't I want that for my family and my children and the people I work with? Well, maybe not the people you work with. I get it, but it's okay. <laughs> right. Right. I mean... What does love look like? I mean, does it look like uh, watching your neighbor walk into oblivion? Or does it look like somebody saying, hey, wait a minute, there's a better way? Now, again, will the world continue to descend into darkness? Maybe. Of course. The, the, the pagan doesn't have a, a downshift on there. He doesn't have a clutch. What you have to do is be willing to be faithful in spite of the things around you. Again, one of my favorite statistics from church history, when Christianity was given legal toleration by Constantine, According to best estimates, it constituted less than 10% of the totality of the Roman Empire. Yeah. Just think that through. Mm-hmm. And that was a population that was being openly persecuted and blamed for everything. Everybody knew who the Christians were. They were less than 10% of the population. I mean, some of you live in towns where you have an ethnic minority that's less than 10% of the population. You never see them and couldn't find them if you had to. And look at, look at the... Look at what the impact on, on, on the And that's entire, what I'm saying. Yeah. You don't realize how little it takes when you are living and following after God and doing these evaluations and proclaiming the gospel and making disciples. In other words, living as a Christian. Yeah. This stuff matters. Yeah, you don't have to be a Billy Graham. Yeah, I that's mean, not, that's not what we're asking for here. You know, if, if each believer would just try to disciple one person, we would reach far many more than any of the and top again, And that's based on what? You just 
understanding who you are and why you are. Right. So, what have we learned here today, children? The locusts never stop, and just when you think they're gonna, they keep eating. Yeah. God is the one to whom we owe our lives. Never forget that. And the world is always going to seek to replace God. Don't let them do it. All right, shine so, your light. Exactly. Read Leviticus. It will do you good. Pay attention to the world around you. It is not a nice place. And realize that while we have fun with our craziness and the silliness of the stories, this is the world we live in. But the gospel is greater. God has not forgotten you, and you will be strengthened until the final day. Until we meet again, read your Bible. It will do you good. Night.